Assalamu alaikum listeners, you're tuned in to Unity FM 93.5 into Parenting Hour and we left you before this commercial break at a very crucial point where we were talking about preeclampsia and the signs of preeclampsia which we may have to just revisit again just uh, in case uh, you've just tuned in now um, so that you know that the signs of preeclampsia in pregnancy because it is very vital that you understand this if you pick up the signs in your daughter, daughter-in-law, a relative who is pregnant, uh, you might be the vital person that sees something that can uh, help them to go and have it checked out. Or if you want to email in any queries, email studio at unityfm.net. Of course, as we said in the beginning of the show, if you're worried about anything, if you're pregnant or know somebody that's pregnant and that you think they're worried, please ask them to contact their midwife, their GP, their doctor to get everything sorted uh, as quick as possible, inshallah. So, Dr. Aisha, you were talking there about the signs of preeclampsia. Can we just go over them quickly again? Because you mentioned a lot there before the break and I think maybe listeners didn't capture it all. Okay, so the symptoms, what you'd present with are a frontal headache, Mm -hmm. flashing lights or blurred vision, Mm -hmm. nausea, vomiting, Mm -hmm. tummy pain, especially on the right upper side, Mm -hmm. swelling of your hands, well, fingers, feet, even the face, that's there all the time or getting worse. And would you have all of them together or could you just have one or two of these You could present with just one or two of them. So Mm -hmm. you find women who present with just a headache and actually my fingers are swollen, can't, you know, can't put my rings on, Mm -hmm. can't fit into my shoes. And obviously pregnant women have swelling in their feet, especially at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It gets worse towards when your due date is. Mm -hmm. But this is a sort of swelling that doesn't go down. It's there when you wake up. It's there all the time. It's getting worse over a couple of days. So Mm -hmm. definitely seek medical advice or especially contact your midwife for this if you're worried. Good, good advice indeed around that. And this preeclampsia, can it have detrimental effects? It can do. So uncontrolled high blood pressure, just like uncontrolled diabetes, can have effects for mum and for baby. So if you don't look after your blood pressure and take the medications, if you are prescribed them, mm-hmm. it can lead to eclampsia, hence the word preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. So if you don't control the blood pressure and things get worse, you, you're not involved in your medical care, it can lead to a fit. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, like you, like, you know, like a fit. So shaking and uh, shaking yeah, of your like arms and legs. Epileptic type fit. Yeah? Exactly. So it's not the epilepsy, but you're exactly yeah. right. So the epileptic type of fit. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to keep your blood pressure within a safe range you know, be on board with your management. Mm-hmm. It can also have effects for baby, can make babies quite small, mm-hmm. which is why you'll find you have growth scans throughout the pregnancy to make sure baby's growing well, mm-hmm. re- get, getting the nutrition it needs to, mm-hmm. and obviously medication as prescribed by your healthcare professional. Mm. So if you have this and you're diagnosed with this, what is the medical treatment, the recommended treatment? Well, the main thing is tablets. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll get, especially if you're an outpatient, so you'll get um, different types of tablets mm. and some women will get certain types. I'm, I'm not mentioning names at the moment just because mm. different women will get different type Ta- tablets. Yeah. So you will get treatment for it that mm-hmm. you'd have to take once, twice, three or four times in the mm-hmm. day. If things get worse, you, they might actually call you in um, mm-hmm. if your blood pressure is uncontrolled to stay in the hospital. And if you find that actually your blood pressure is getting so bad that it's uncontrolled and you're 36 weeks pregnant, they might actually bring you into hospital hospital and put you on a drip to bring your blood pressure down for the safety for you and for your baby as well to make sure both of you are unharmed by the effects. Mm-hmm. Some women in pregnancy in, in pregnancy with high blood pressure and preeclampsia that's getting worse mm-hmm. will find they're in hospital having a, um, a drip called magnesium sulfate and that's the drip that stops you having a fit essentially. If your blood pressure is right through the roof mm-hmm. and you have these women who come in with blood pressures of 180 over 120 wow. so they're 
you know, really high blood pressure. Mm. So very unwell. And this is obviously not everybody. Mm. But it's just for you to be aware if you happen to be accompanying someone in or, you know, you, you know someone who's going through this, at least to be there for them and have mm. some aspect of knowledge for it. You know, they need to be on this on this drip to protect them from having that seizure or a fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will be in hospital then until they deliver. So, you know, it's not a question of go in, have that drip in, um, and then that's it. You can mm-hmm. go back home. So if your blood pressure is that bad, you will actually need to have a delivery at that point if mm-hmm. it's uncontrolled. So the important thing is to be in hospital, go to your hospital and, and be there. If the doctors are saying you must stay there, you must stay there uh, because we want a healthy baby and a healthy mum. Exactly. And mm. they might say that, look, it's reached a point where the blood pressure is so high, we can keep it controlled to a certain degree, but we're thinking of having an induction of labour. Mm. So we need to deliver baby um, because one of the one of the reasons why we think the blood pressure goes up in pregnancy has got to do with the placenta. So that's mm. that, you know, powerhouse that gives nutrients to the baby. Lovely so, name, powerhouse. <laughs> powerhouse, alhamdulillah. It's a, it's a, it is a powerhouse. Mm. We think about what it does. Mm. It does everything mm. in that small little kind of couple of hundred grams. Mm. And the only the real treatment for preeclampsia is delivery. The management is different things. So your medication, your drips, you know, staying mm-hmm. in hospital, having checks, etc. Mm-hmm. So the ultimate treatment is delivery. Mm-hmm. And if they reach a point where they do a risk benefit ratio analysis and mm-hmm. they say, actually, we've reached a point where we think baby is better to be delivered and we need to induce you, mm-hmm. they'll get you started on an induction process with your consent. And this is where asking questions, understanding the process is very important. <coughs> Very good. And then you have that safe delivery, say, for example, and the baby is out. Is all the risks then dismissed with once the baby is out? I'd love to say so. I'd mm-hmm. love to say things uh, magically get better. And to, to a certain degree, the blood pressure rectifies pretty much after delivery. You find the blood pressure gets back to normal very soon after but there is still a risk of having those fits or seizures after delivery so Mm -hmm. it's very important if you are on medications to stay on them especially if you're discharged to stay with the health visit with with the community midwife Mm -hmm. or your GP uh, and seek advice from them so don't ignore the preeclampsia and say right okay baby's delivered we're sorted I'll stop taking Mm -hmm. my medication there is still a risk of fits after delivery in the postnatal period. Mm-hmm. Up to how long afterwards would, would you recommend that mum um, should be aware of this? I'd say, you know, in the first six weeks when you go home, be aware. Most women, their blood pressure settles within hours, if mm-hmm. not days. Mm-hmm. They come off their medications and they're completely fine. There's only a very rare, num- you know, small population of women who actually stay hypertensive or Mm -hmm. with high blood pressure at six weeks Mm -hmm. and then need long-term management. So it probably is a question of days or one or two weeks that things get back to normal. Wonderful. Thank you. Wow, that is a very powerful information to have and I'm sure our listeners really appreciate you going through that in such detail indeed that we've gone through two major, major (coughs) medical disorders in pregnancy. And I know you you mentioned that you wanted to talk about breastfeeding, which is something that we love talking about on this show. And maybe it's a nice way of ending off this this programme today with something with breastfeeding, um, talking about breastfeeding. So when should parents or mums be thinking that they're going to breastfeed? Is this something they should plan or think about earlier on? I think this is right from the very beginning. It's a very natural thing to do. And most women actually probably hopefully shall expect to breastfeed their mm. children. And I'll talk about the huge advantages to both mums and babies um, of that. So think, you know, consider breastfeeding, mm-hmm. consider the realities of breastfeeding, not the glamorized version that you see on TV. It, mm-hmm. It's not magical. It's not instantaneous. It can take a little bit of hard work. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is use the help, use the resources you have and persevere because it's the best thing you could do 
do for your child and for yourself. Mm-hmm. And again, we're going to be showing uh, our listeners can listen into a little video about that and listen to the benefits of that. And when, from your perspective as a medical practitioner, when would you advise parents to really start thinking about this? I mean, you can start thinking about this when you start your planning, your birth planning. And, you know, one of the things we encourage, hugely encourage, is skin to skin straight after delivery Mm -hmm. because it has a lot of benefits for the baby, calms the baby down, the breathing, the temperature is appropriate. It helps that attachment with the mother. Mm -hmm. It helps the babies, in a way, smell the milk because the babies are lying on their mum's chest. Mm -hmm. And subhanAllah, it's just the way Allah has created us. You find the babies actually sometimes lift their head and they start to root Mm -hmm. for that breast milk. Mm And that's encouraging them to recognize that that's their source of nutrition and supply. And speak to your midwife whilst you come in, uh, whilst you're in labor, when you come in saying, I'd like to have skin to skin afterwards. And Mm -hmm. most midwives will encourage it. Mm -hmm. If you find that you've had a very complicated delivery, you've had maybe a doctor deliver the baby or you've had a cesarean section, you can still have that skin to skin just with minor adjustments, which most medical professionals are more than happy to make. So ensure, ladies, you get your skin to skin with the baby, please. Mm -hmm. And is... There are some instances that mums are not able to breastfeed, that there is some issues there, some complications there that mums are not able to know something in our face that we encourage and it's something we encourage as part of our programs as well, as you mentioned about the attachment, building the attachment. Mm -hmm. But there is a a small percentage of mums maybe that might not be able to do this. You're right. Obviously, if the mum's immediately unwell after delivery, so she's Mm -hmm. lost a lot of blood, um, she's extremely unwell with the infection or high blood pressure, she might not be able to have that skin to skin straight mm-hmm. away, although it's in her birth plan. It might be more a question of, right, we need to keep you safe right now. Baby's delivered. It's fine with the in the cot. We'll just leave the baby. Just let's sort you out. Mm-hmm. There's other more um, problematic things. So think women who have infections um, in their blood or in their pregnancy that might transfer to the baby. So this is not generally a general infection. I'm talking mm-hmm. about things like HIV, uh, women who have other medical disorders that um, might be affected well that might transfer to baby Mm -hmm. so in those circumstances obviously breastfeeding is uh, not breastfeeding is a route to not transferring that virus between mom and baby Mm -hmm. so on only those circumstances you say right I don't think breastfeeding possibly the best choice to ensure a healthy baby and Mm mum but in all of those circumstances it's the as such the the natural thing to do the right thing to do and about 75% of women actually start to breastfeed you know they make the, the proper near the intention mm-hmm. that they want to breastfeed mm-hmm. but a lot of women give up and I think they give up because they don't realize the support that they can access um, the possibilities of problems that might be there and what they can do to rectify it mm-hmm. so the you know one of the things is, is persevere keep with it as, mo- as long as you can do and is, is well for you again there's no judgment some women actually prefer not to breastfeed mm-hmm. and although you know you know you know the positives for you and for baby mm-hmm. if you made that decision that's fine and fair mm-hmm. you know that's mm-hmm. their decision if they've reached a point where they can't breastfeed they it's it's they feel it's harmful to that to their mental health or they don't want to again no judgment you know mm-hmm. i think it's very important again like we mentioned in one of the programs not to have this mummy shaming um, business that we're quite yeah. into yeah. um if you can breastfeed breastfeed because you know it's a right yeah. decision for you and your child mm-hmm. and your family and if you can't then that's fair and well mm-hmm. but as much as you can, please try because it, it has great impact 
on you and baby. Mm, exactly. That's the lovely message we do want to get out there about, about breastfeeding. And it's at the correct temperature. It's always on tap. It's got <coughs> all the immunities there for, for baby. So it is a natural process to do. But there may be some people that are not able to. We do want to shame and blame. Um, and for whatever reason it is. But there is support there. Actually, we're training up some sparklers at the moment, parent peer mentors who are going to go on a special programme for breastfeeding to support parents in breastfeeding. So again, listeners, if you're tuned in and you want to find out more information about this, do email studio at unityfm.net or give the studio a ring at 0121 772 uh, We're not in Luton at the moment, so sorry, Luton listeners, if you're listening in down there. But we do have lots of people uh, in Birmingham and London and Bradford that will have uh, hopefully some training up in this. Inshallah. I'd just like to mention really quickly about the first milk that women get, which is colostrum, which mm. is that first milk. And if if you don't do anything else mm-hmm. in terms of breastfeeding, at least just do that much because that has that really good amount of antibodies, the fighter the fighter cells that your baby needs. So you mm-hmm. transfer all your immunity from you to baby. And it's extremely nutritious, just what the baby needs. And that happens in the first few days. Mm-hmm. So it's a very small amount of milk that actually comes through. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if you can't do anything else and if you even don't don't even want to breastfeed long term at least just do that much because mm-hmm. that has a huge impact on the immunity of baby and all the other benefits that I'm sure you can read online or get lots yeah. of leaflets about. Yeah, and it is something that's mentioned in our faith. And of course, it's, it's really important for us to try it, even as you say, a few days, a few weeks, try it as long as possible and m- maybe prepare about it beforehand. So this is something else we can go back to our midwives and ask information uh, beforehand to prepare for that breastfeeding and to prepare your your body for that, to prepare your, your skin, to roughen up maybe your nipples a little bit you get let them uh, exposed a little bit to to the air around it so that when it comes to that time that uh, they, you don't get cracks or have bleeding do you, do you come across this sometimes that maybe your parents do have I think if they have any issues with cracked nipples or bleeding nipples or even infection, we'd, we'd still encourage them to feed from that side, but then treat the problem. So if they've got an infection, we'd give them antibiotics, which are, again, safe for breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. If they've got cracked nipples, there's um, a cream that most mom u- moms use called Lancino. It'll tend to be on your shopping list for what ha- <laughs> what you need for when you have the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you find that it's difficult for the baby to to breastfeed and that's because it's not getting that latch or that mm. that attachment with, with mm-hmm. the nipple that it mm-hmm. needs and in that if it, if it is a problem with tongue tie there mm. are things your midwife can do in terms of referring you to the hospital to get that done and if you find the hospital actually takes a couple of weeks to honour that referral because it's just obviously a waiting list mm-hmm. then you can go private and have that dealt with so there's mm. um, breastfeeding consultants around who will help you to breastfeed so there's help available um, on the NHS and privately and your community midwife and health visitor so please access the help there's some fantastic services in the Solihull community Um, there's breastfeeding counsellors and advisors so ask your midwife and he well and she'll refer you inshallah and in all the communities, indeed, uh, all over Birmingham, there is a lot of yes. advice there. In, and the children's centres, we should remember, also are there ready to help and there to support you as well. So if you're not registered with children's centre, please do get registered. Well, Dr. Asia, you know, we've covered an awful lot and we do want to actually continue this show with some videos, if you don't mind, just to help give the same messages as you've been given out as well over the shows. We really appreciate your time and effort coming in. We know how busy you are. Inshallah, Jazakallah. Jazakallah for, for this. Jazakallah to all the mums and uh, inshallah best of luck to all the mums to be and I wish you a very very lovely safe pregnancy for you and your baby and a very wonderful time for your family. Inshallah. 
Let's now go into our first clip on diabetes. Inshallah, listeners, I hope you'll find this beneficial and we'll re-emphasize the messages that Dr. Aisha was trying to get across to you in today's show. Gestational diabetes is when women develop signs of what we call glucose intolerance during pregnancy. So that means that their blood glucose levels are higher than they should be during pregnancy. Diabetes can affect the growth of the baby. And we know that in women whose blood sugar levels are too high, the baby can grow too much and put on too much weight during the pregnancy. That can cause problems both in terms of actually physically delivering the baby, um, but also it puts the baby at increased risk of conditions like obesity um, and cardiovascular disease um, in the child's ongoing life. In extreme cases, gestational diabetes can lead to miscarriage or stillbirth, as well as complications in labour that put mothers and babies at risk. Okay, when did you last have any blood tests done? I think about two weeks ago because I was having pain under my stomach. Okay, so they didn't. Most women wouldn't know that they've got diabetes during their pregnancy, and that's why it's really important that you have a test for diabetes if you are at risk during your pregnancy. Your midwife will talk to you about screening tests for gestational diabetes um, and if you have one of the risk factors you'll be offered what's called a glucose tolerance test which is usually done at around 24 to 28 weeks into the pregnancy um, and that's where we ask you to have nothing to eat or drink the night before, you have a blood test first thing in the morning, we then give you a sugary drink and then you have a blood test two hours later. So there are a number of women who are at higher risk, women who have a family history of somebody with particularly type 2 diabetes, uh, women from um, an ethnic minority group that have higher rates of diabetes, particularly South Asian women for example, um, and also women who are obese, women who have a body mass index of more than 30 are at particularly high risk of developing uh, gestational diabetes. Women who are also at risk of diabetes are women who are having twin pregnancies um, and also women who have previously had um, a large baby and like all conditions during pregnancy if, if a woman's had gestational diabetes in her first pregnancy she's more likely to get it in her subsequent pregnancies. They're really good so you're obviously eating all the right things and doing all the right things that's brilliant. It's really important for both for your health um, going forward and for your baby's health that we identify um, diabetes during your pregnancy so that we can give you appropriate um, advice about diet and lifestyle um, and that we can um, keep your pregnancy healthy, keep your baby a nice healthy weight so that your delivery and your baby's ongoing health is as good as possible. I hope you found that clip useful, inshallah. Of course, if you want to see it also, please go to ourchance.org.uk and you can download it and view it yourself online, inshallah. Next is the high blood pressure. This also happens to uh, to to some pregnant mums indeed where they get high blood pressure and uh, they suffer preeclampsia so please do listen to this video and I hope that this will be able to help you if you are told or been diagnosed that you are maybe at risk of this or you know somebody else that may be at risk so I hope this information will be helpful to you also inshallah Preeclampsia is a condition that affects about 6 in 100 mothers during their pregnancy. It causes problems with the placenta, the organ that nourishes your baby. If left untreated, it can lead to one or both of the mother and baby dying. Usually you wouldn't notice it until um, you had your routine checks with your midwife and that's why you have routine antenatal checks and that's why antenatal care is designed to pick up early signs of preeclampsia. So most ladies don't notice any symptoms, most women feel well, so it's likely you'd feel well but the midwife would find that your blood pressure was raised. 
As a mother, the symptoms that you really need to look out for are, are new swelling in your hands and particularly in your face, which often um, your family members might notice before you do. It's very common for women to get swelling in their ankles and legs during pregnancy, but if you did get sudden swelling, which was much uh, more severe one day than it had been previously, then that would be something to, to inform your midwife or your doctor about. Other symptoms of preeclampsia include pain in your tummy area or under your ribs, headaches, problems with your vision, or generally feeling unwell. Sonia is pregnant with her second child. In her first pregnancy, she experienced preeclampsia. I was quite swollen, like my hands, my feet, and I was just like really tired all the time. And I was working. It just out of nowhere, it happened so quickly. They just admitted admit me to hospital because my blood pressure was really high. And by then, my face was swollen as well. My hands were swollen, my feet. And I was just seeing like my visual disturbance as well. And they explained to me it could be preeclampsia. And they told me, you know, what it was. And, and I, then I looked up on it. And then I was like, yeah, I am getting like, like the swelling and, you know, my blood pressure is quite, I do feel like it is quite high. And you know, explain that like, the baby's quite small, so we might have to deliver early. I think that's when it hit me. Okay, this is really serious. It's very, very important that we pick up the condition early, that we manage the condition and that we um, safely deliver the baby um, and keep both the mum and the baby as safe as much as possible. Sometimes we do have to deliver the baby um, very prematurely and that might be either because we're worried the baby's not growing properly and the baby's at risk of, of stillbirth or we're worried that the mother's getting much worse and so our only option in that circumstance would be to deliver the baby early. I couldn't like digest what was happening because they were really good. Everyone in the hospital, the staff members, and they just like acted quite quickly. <laughs> and then I was in hospital for about, I think, 10 days and then... I had a C-section, <laughs> but by then my symptoms had calmed down, my blood pressure was in control. So by the time I had her, it, I was you know, feeling a lot better. <laughs> You're most at risk in your first pregnancy, um, if you have a family member who's had preeclampsia, um, if you're obese or if you have medical problems such as high blood pressure or diabetes at the start of pregnancy. You're also slightly high at risk if you've got a twin pregnancy um, and in ladies who've had preeclampsia during their first pregnancy they're at risk of getting it again um, in their subsequent pregnancies. You know it can happen just like that like it did with me so it's, it really is important if I hadn't gone to my appointments they wouldn't have picked up on the high blood pressure or they wouldn't you know, done the scan and seen that the baby isn't growing and if you do feel like a bit different, you know, you should go get it checked out, you shouldn't leave it. And that's, you know, that's what I did, like, I remember when I, my feet were like really big, and I was like, should I phone them or should I? And I was like, there's no harm in phoning them, you know, that's why they're, why they're there. And it's a good thing because I, I ended up in hospital. <laughs> Again, I hope you found that beneficial, inshallah. And our last clip today from Our Chance is about breastfeeding. And I know this is something that our children's centres will give you more advice on and that we also are training up our sparklers, which is our peer mentors, to be able to advise parents on. Um, something that's really, really important that we do also mention in our Pregnancy to Three programme that we have mums and dads that attend that eight-week programme about the importance of breastfeeding, the importance of building that secure attachment with your baby. So listeners, do enjoy it, inshallah. Across the UK, there are families of all backgrounds with one important thing in common. They all want to breastfeed their babies. You know, sometimes when I'm feeding her, she just looks right into my eyes and you just, you just make your heart beat so fast. It's just that most amazing feeling ever. Get closeness and enjoy it. It's good because of bonding. 
You do bond with your other children when you do bottle feed, but it's a different kind of bonding, um, something that I, that I hadn't experienced before, but I had done with, through breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is free. It's always on tap. I'm quite lazy, so I think that's, that's quite a big issue in it. I don't think I'd like to be making bottles. And it gives babies the healthiest start in life. I'm interested in nutrition and health, so I think, you know, it's the best thing you can do for a baby. It helps them progress through childhood. Um, it kind of helps them through illnesses. Hopefully you'll not have any problems, you know, any sickness or tummy bugs or ear infections or anything like that. Um, hopefully that, that the milk that he's getting is, is going to prevent all that. If you breastfeed, your baby is less likely to suffer from diabetes or obesity in later childhood. Breastfeeding can help you to build a strong bond with your baby and can help to protect you against breast and ovarian cancer. It's one of the best things, I think, for us. And I love times like this when we're quiet and we're together and it's just the two of us. He's so happy and content being on the breast. I wouldn't really think of giving him anything else. So coming to an end of today's show, Jazakallah Karen for tuning in. I hope you found this very beneficial talking about the medical disorders that happens in pregnancy. If there's anything that came up for you in this show or any questions that you have, if you please contact your GP, your doctor, your midwife as soon as possible for any concerns. We'd also like to thank, of course, Alison, who is CEO of Best Beginnings, for introducing us to Our Chance and Our Chance videos. Have a lovely, lovely break. I know now you may be already uh, winding down for this uh, this break. So, inshallah, have a lovely break, listeners. Have a good time with your families, a nice time together in getting to know your family, your children, and uh, planning some things together and, and spending some quality time together that you deserve. I look forward to being with you again next week, inshallah. And in the meantime, keep safe. Take care, especially in this cold weather where the roads are not so good. Please drive carefully and take care. May Allah bless you all, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.